0: Welcome to Season 2 of your listening to Radio Revel The Shepherd Story. This is Episode 0 The Murder. The hearth has been burning all day. It's bitter cold outside, and Akanta has been cooking a slow stew for when her husband, Eotropius, returns home after putting the flock down for the night. It's early in the winter, days are short, nights are long, grass is scarce. The sheep walk long distances to feed. Menuitis is sitting in a privileged place on the bench that runs alongside the heat of the fire. He doses off and then wakes up just as his chin buckles down onto his chest. He's been sitting in this place for a dozen years now, too old to walk the hills with the sheep. He lives with his grandson, Eotropius, who has carried on the family trade, taking the sheep out, breeding the ewes, slaughtering the lambs, collecting and selling the wool. On the far end of the same bench, back there in the corner, where the smoke from the hearth passes on its way up the huge square chimney opening in the ceiling, sit his three great-grandchildren, Crestos, Demophon, and Eumelia. Crestos is of an age now, and will soon be going out with his father into the hills with the stock. Demophon won't be doing that, poor child, he's nearly blind since birth. Eumelia, the youngest, well, she'll marry some local lad and move away from the family when her time comes. Demophon is Menuetes' favorite grandchild. The boy's only seven, but he's clever, and despite his poor vision, he seems to see beyond what others perceive in the world. Demophon reminds Menoetes of his old friend, Tiresias, who was also the blind son of a shepherd like Demophon though Tiresias lost his sight as an adult. Tiresias could also see well beyond human perception. He could see into the souls of men, capture the sight of the dead behind their veiled mists of otherworldliness. Demophon slides across the bench, away from his brother and sister, scoots close to his grandfather's side. He pulls at Menoetes's arm, and Menoetis obliges him by putting that arm around the child's shoulder and pulling him into a comfortable embrace. Menoetis knows what Demophon wants, a story. What story should he tell? Just then, Eotripius pushes the door open, and a cold breeze blows at the fire, sends a waft of smoke towards the two children still sitting in the corner. Acantha snaps at Eotropius, Closes the door quickly, the heat will escape. Eotropius does close the door and moves to where his wife stands in front of a bowl of water, where he washes his hands and tells her that he has heard of a terrible crime from Galenos, the man who buys the wool. Some wandering man has killed one of their neighbors just this morning, a stupid murder. They met on the road and couldn't agree to allow the other to pass first. Menoetes feels his mind slip back nearly fifty years. He pulls his grandson closer to his side, and begins telling in the low, sing-song voice that he always falls into when telling his tales about that time he witnessed the very same thing happen. He was a mature man then, just turned forty. He'd taken the herd from his father, who had named him for the cattle herd of Hades, Menoetes when that father had become as he was now, an ancient man sitting on the end of the bench away from the draught of the chimney that drew the smoke. Menoetes chose the hillside overlooking the three-way crossroad that marked a meeting point on the way to Delphi. Here, once a month, nine months a year, he could watch as pilgrims came from Thebes, his patron city, or from Daulis to the northwest, or from Lebedea to the south, all with the destination of Delphi, all with a question for the oracle of Apollo. This was a wide and high hillside with one lone olive tree that had given shade to shepherds for centuries before Menoetes had been born. He sat in that very shade, batted at flies that buzzed around his face, kept half an eye on the flock as they grazed, and watched the road to see if anyone important would pass. Generally, the pilgrims would walk, or perhaps ride a horse, or travel in a horse-drawn wagon. Sometimes they were wealthy merchants, other times they would be humble religious men. Few were the common man, the oracle was costly, and common men preferred to find answers to their doubts and worries in the council of the local elders. A small cloud of dust to the east, coming from Thebes, caught Minoetis' eye, He imagined that this was a noble chariot, not enough dust for a swift-running horse, and more than a man could whip up simply walking. He was not wrong. As the carriage approached, he saw two men sitting upon the bench, one clearly noble, with a silver crown of laurel leaves on his brow and a purple sash across his chest. The other man was simply dressed in a blue tunic and handled the horse that drew the chariot. This must have been the nobleman's servant. A pesky fly that had been buzzing around landed on Minoetes' right forearm. As he looked down to focus on swatting that fly into the next world, he noticed a young man on foot coming up on the road from Delphi. Menoetes tried to imagine who this man might be. He was partially dressed for travel with sturdy sandals and a white tunic, yet he carried a short sword at his side as if he were some type of warrior. This man was not yet mature. He was old enough to have a wife, but not worn to the ways of the world. He walked confidently, though, springing forward off the balls of his feet, hardly touching the ground with his heels. While this young man looked noble, he didn't seem as noble as the man on the chariot. Menuhitis watched lazily as both the young man and the older man in the chariot approached each other on the crossroad. Here the roads met in a narrow way. To one side was a ravine, not too deep, but deep enough. To the other side was a steep hill, not too steep, but steep enough. Anyone meeting another pilgrim at this intersection would have to give way, or ask to be given way. From his vantage point beneath the olive tree, Menoetes had observed this giving of the way many times over the years. In general, anyone going towards Delphi would give way to anyone coming from Delphi. This deference came mainly because the oracle was a sacred place and there were often many more people going to than coming from. Whoever was at the head of the group going to the oracle could see anyone coming from Delphi clearly and would halt the entire caravan so that the traveler could get through the crossroads and the caravan of pilgrims would then continue. Today was different. Though pilgrims began their journeys days before the Prophecy Day, this chariot was traveling to Delphi even earlier. The nobleman was alone on the road from Thebes. The young man, who may have come from Delphi, or may have come from elsewhere, was also alone. They met at the intersection, and they both stopped. Menoetis could not hear what was said. He could hear some exchange that seemed to escalate in tone. The young man on foot was slowly drawing himself up in stature as he argued with the servant who held the reins. The back and forth continued for several minutes, and it was evident that neither party was willing to give way to the other. From appearance only, Manuitis thought that the nobleman felt he should be given the right of way because of his status, while the young man seemed to base his right to way exclusively on his pride. The servant evidently had had enough and raised his horsewhip into the air and brought the tip down onto the young man's shoulder. This spooked the horse, which pulled the chariot forward some meters, the wheel passing over the young man's feet. Menuhiti sat up at this turn of events. The young man may end up crushed under the wheels of the chariot at worst. At best, he may find himself at the bottom of that ravine, injured and without succor. Instead, the young man unsheathed his sword and rapidly slashed the throat of the servant. As the nobleman pulled back from the rush of blood, he lost his balance and fell from the chariot to the ground at the feet of the young man, who, with a warrior's swift right arm, buried his sword into the nobleman's chest, killing him instantly. Though he was way up on the hillside, though he was almost hidden in the shade of the olive tree, Menoetes was naturally startled and scared for his own life, and so he slipped to the other side of the thick trunk. He peeked around that trunk to see the young man clean his sword on the purple sash of the nobleman and sheath it anew. The bodies of the two slain men, well, he had pushed them into the ravine, along with the chariot. He spooked the horse, which ran off towards a Delphi that would not have words of wisdom for its master now. The young man continued his way on down the road towards Thebes, limping only slightly as he walked, falling back on his heels a bit more than earlier. Demophon asked his grandfather who the nobleman was. Menoetes did not say. Demophon asked if the killer had been caught and punished. Menoetes also would not say. Akantha had now placed a bowl of broth in his hands, and as he blew on the first spoonful, he told Demophon that those were stories for another winter evening. You're listening to Radio Revel.